Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 16th of July 2013. I always say to newcomers, look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You'll see a bunch of official sites listed there that I have. They all carry lots of audios for download for free. I go through the system we're born into, how it works, how it got set up, and the cons are pulled to keep you basically living in a form of hypnosis, thinking it's reality uh, on behalf of the big boys that control the planet. But I, I put a lot of information there to do with the foundations and the parallel government, they call themselves, that run the world, the ones that really run the world. And it's worth going through because you'll, you'll get a, a shortcut to understanding the big system. And also remember, too, on those sites you get um, transcripts for prints up and lots of talks I've given over the years in English. And you'll see on the site, too, alanwattsentinel.eu, where you can get transcripts for prints up in other languages. Remember, too, you bring me to you because I don't bring on advertisers as guests and so on. I simply uh, come out with the, what I'm talking about and I put the books and discs up that I have at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. So if you want to keep me ticking along, you can, you can buy them, hopefully, and learn how conology works and how it's always worked and how the, the art of conning masses of people is very, very old, uh, going back to ancient times, in fact, and how it was developed through the centuries up to the present time, but it's pretty well perfected through neuroscience and psychology, behaviorism, and so on. All these guys, big think tanks, work for governments and the private organizations that really control governments. So can you help me out? It's the same. From the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can always still use personal checks to order or international postal money orders from the post office from the U.S. to Canada. Or you can send cash or use PayPal. Across the world, you've got Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal. Straight donations are really seriously welcome in this time of inflation and the devaluation of your currency, meaning you have less purchasing power. It's worth less and less and less. It doesn't matter what currency you use. It's going on across the world because we're global, you see. And the same bankers that set themselves up under uh, official sounding names long ago, uh, private central banks, for instance, uh, and their private organizations like the Royal Institute of International Affairs, planned this out all 100 years ago. This whole system, this present time, including the destruction of, of the societies as they went along to bring in a global society. All the cultures had to be mushed up, destroyed and so on, uh, to leave them no opposition whatsoever. And then they'd run the world globally and get their big bureaucratic systems in because they do believe in large government to control you on a sort of communistic almost system or socialist system as they prefer to call it because big government controls every aspect of your life and big government is in bed of course with private corporations public-private partnerships which benefit and profit awfully well from running our lives because all money comes from the general public the consumers, the producers and so on that's where all money really comes from 
and they're going to really sock you in the future because this is the whole craze today. That's what it's all about today. It's where you get big, big, big money pots, where you get it from governments. And you use the private banks to lend to the governments, and the banks then have their own private income tax systems and then taxes to pay, pay back all the money. It's been borrowed with compound interest. It's a great, great business, ongoing business. And uh, really nothing that you have in a country is yours anymore. Your government isn't yours. The politicians all know this. It's just a big act. Uh, and the private foundations, like the Royal of International Affairs, Council and Foreign Relations, always put the top characters into government. doesn't matter what party you vote for. They say in their own writings that they own all of them, all the top people. doesn't matter they're the left wing, right wing. They work together, folks. As mentioned too, why do you think all the greenies and the so-called lefties are all funded by the big foundations that are owned by the richest people in the planet and some of them the biggest bankers too? Back with more after this break. We're back, cutting through the matrix. And what a matrix it is, isn't it? We're really, really controlled, even by the media, especially the media, actually, and entertainment, of course, too, that push you into a fuzzy state where you're not sure what's real and what isn't because everything that's happening and all the big changes that they're putting in, especially to do with observation of every citizen on the planet, is, is, involved, is in, in, put into the media and entertainment, too. All your the movies that you watch. And uh, the big dramas that they put on right after uh, 9-11 happened. Everybody, every country went into action with its own version of anti-terrorist uh, plots and so on. And dramas and, and all this kind of stuff too. Just to make sure you get the point. The big change was on. It had nothing to do with 9-11 at all. It was to bring in the totally um, predictable society. Because in a totalitarian system, especially global, every citizen must be completely predictable. Which means everyone must be under complete observation on a daily basis. And you are electronically, you see. But um, most folk adapt to it very quickly, of course, because um, uh, the government pretends to give us uh, their reasons and we pretend, or actually we are forced to, to go along with them. That's basically how government works, as coercion. And um, I will give no choice generally down the road about things. You either do this or six smart meters. Some places in the U.S. now, if you refuse a smart meter, they, they just cut you right off. That's it. And that's where all things are going today. So we don't really have choices when it comes to the big things at all. You can't opt, opt out of using a computer and not being spied upon. It's built into your computers that the government agencies can all spy on you. Uh, so uh, you don't get a, ch- a choice at all about it or anything else for that matter, which is electronic. Uh, and again, people, most people accept it, especially the young folk. They think it's normal because the adults accept it. Anything that adults accept, young people always accept because they look to adults uh, for everything. And, of course, that's why um, if adults allow even lots and lots of porn out there, then it must be okay, too. I mean, adults, are, that's, how, that's, their, that's their role models, you understand. And that's why youngsters believe that money is natural uh, and they don't even ask where it comes from, who controls it or anything else. This, uh, the parents use it. The parents give them coinage. They go off and buy themselves candies. So it must be quite natural. We're trained from a very early age into the entire system. But to do with spying too, uh, uh, there's an article from Eric Margolis, who's a good, a good uh, journalist, and he's been on the go for years. And um, 
is generally very, very fair, in fact. You know, he's done some really good in-depth investigations. And, ex- and when he takes something on, he explains it very well. But um, he's on about spying here. It says, spying run amok, he says. We know that electronic spying has completely run amok when tiny Luxembourg's Prime Minister, Jean-Claude Juncker, just resigned over a nasty scandal involving his nation's tiny intelligence service. He said, according to some reports, Luxembourg's ruler, the Grand Duke Henry, was bugged by means of a Dick Tracy-style watch. He says, all this recalls the late comic Peter Sellers film, The Mouse That Roared. It was a good laugh, that movie, actually. But it says, Europe, however, is not laughing. He says, recent revelations of massive, ultra-intrusive U.S. electronic spying in Europe by fugitive national security agency, NEC contractor Edward Snowden, have ignited a firestorm of outrage and hypocrisy across the European nation. And he's right there, too. A lot of the hypocrisy is from the general public, because all the, the, the government's been telling you for years now, we're spying on you, we're spying on you. And, and so have the big corporations that, that, that provide you services for, for Internet and so on. So really, Snowden hasn't told us anything new. But it says Germany, with sinister memories of the Gestapo and East German Stasi, is particularly incensed. It says the magazine Der Spiegel says documents shown by Snowden show that the NSA read half a billion phone calls, emails, faxes and bank communications in Germany alone in one month. German officials called this spying disgusting and intolerable. This is France's foreign minister, Alan Juppé, denounced the U.S. for spying on a close ally. Russia and China rubbed their hands in glee over Washington's acute embarrassment. They're not embarrassed at all. But there's two points to keep in mind. First, dear old Uncle Sam indeed spies on everybody and everyone. His big electronic ears and those of his very close allies hoover up all electronic communications and have done so for decades. They did it all through the Cold War and they never stopped. You understand? including doing it on Germany. Every foreign embassy in Washington is bugged. Uh, most secret codes are broken by the NSA's giant computers and math wizards. Now and then, even our personal computers, cell phones and keyboards are bugged. It's clear that surveillance technology has far outdistanced the restraints of law or good government. The giant security bureaucracy is out of control. One wonders just how much useful information Big Brother can still can distill from the sea of data he acquires. In East Germany and the Soviet Union, a listener was always eavesdropping and taking notes. But that was the Cold War. Today, computers filter and parse every word, looking for key phrases, red-flagged words, or patterns. Now, it's really interesting, too, because this is old stuff, really, but it's, again, another repeat. But uh, I read the articles about five years ago when they said that uh, they bugged your, your keyboards now. They're making them that way by, by law. Anyway, it's the second. Uh, Europeans' politicians are loudly denouncing the U.S. for spying on their people. But Britain, Germany, Italy, Holland, Spain and Belgium signed secret pacts with the U.S. decades ago, allowing the NSA and the CIA to spy on their citizens and to share intelligence with Washington. The largest NSA listening post in Europe is inside NATO HQ at Brussels in Belgium. And it says France's intelligence agencies, notably the DGSE and the predecessor of the SDECE, were notorious for bugging their citizens, politicians and foreign targets. Most French assumed everything said on the phone was recorded. Even pillow talk with one's mistress was risky. The DGSE even went so far as to bug the first class seats on Air France's flights. Britain's hush-hush GCHQ listening agency was almost a subsidiary of the NSA and the CIA. 
Ditto for electronic listening agencies in Australia, New Zealand, Denmark and Canada. The Soviet-run Warsaw Pact had a similar structure. These block security agencies become little broth, uh, brothers of the KGB. Bulgaria's spy agency was used for wet affairs. That's, that's, that's when you kill folk. The Czechs for sophisticated operations. The East Germans for infiltrating West Germany. U.S. intelligence uses the same subsidiary structure in Europe and parts of Asia. The recent refusal by France, Spain, Italy and Portugal to allow the presence of Bolivia's aircraft to transit their airspace because of an erroneous CIA report that Ed Snowden was aboard shocked most Europeans and made them wonder just how strong American influence really is over their governments. But what's interesting too, I think it was two or three years ago right in the air, that the US had changed a lot of policy that anybody they want, anybody they want that flies over their airspace, even if going to Latin America, from Canada or anywhere in the world, uh, they, have their, they, build, they, will, they give themselves the right to bring them down inside U.S. airspace so as you can get the, the person and interrogate them. It says, France, the self-proclaimed champion of human rights and asylum for political refugees, covered itself with shame and dishonor in the affair Snowden. It says, even so, Washington's lame excuse, everyone does it, or blaming terrorism is clearly bogus. And that's a good statement. Blaming terrorism is clearly bogus. No other nation mounts such an intensive worldwide electronic spying operation. Spying on EU trade negotiators discussing banana quotas has nothing to do with so-called terrorism. Bureaucrats and politicians hate whistleblowers, not so much because these brave public-spirited people reveal dark secrets of the state, but because they've caused sharp political embarrassment and identify all sorts of dirty business concealed from the voters. That's why lynchings are planned for both the U.S. Army whistleblower, Manning and Snowden. The real national security issue involved here is the security of hypocritical politicians and career bureaucrats. You understand that the whole system is not there to serve the public at all. The whole system is there to serve incredibly big private corporations, folks. And the politicians are all in their pockets. I hope you understand that. I hope you really understand that. And this article, too, it's a good a good uh, website, actually, uh, because there's a lot of information about psychotronic weapons. I've mentioned about uh, psychotronics and the technotronic era that uh, Brzezinski talked about back in the 70s, where he said that they already had techniques and, and systems which could go across the whole, whole continent and affect the mind, the minds of all the people, either make them docile or, or very placid uh, or, or aggressive or neurotic or whatever else. And um, because big government's always been involved in the control of the minds of the general population, so is big business, of course, too. But... Um, this, this says, how far in the future is the ban of psychotronic weapons? And it says that um, they're in the arsenals of NATO and many other states, though there are no legislators around the world prohibiting the governments the use of these weapons against their citizens. Now, they're signing international ones, claiming they won't use them against other nations. But actually, they did use it in Gulf War One. That came out in the British papers when they bombarded for about uh, 40 hours uh, the troops. The, 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 the Iraqi troops that were, sorry, it was Iraqi troops, the first Gulf War, and, uh, they used them in the trenches. And you saw these Iraqis eventually coming out completely dazed, didn't know their names or anything else. 
and just giving themselves up. They're completely like zombies, and that's the state they were in after getting heavy, heavy bombardment on a certain frequency, because you can adjust the frequency for different effects, you understand. But that did come out in the papers at the time in Britain. And it says, in March 2012, the Russian Defense Minister Anatoly uh, Serge Zhukov said, the development of weaponry based on new si- uh, physics principles, direct energy weapons, geophysical weapons, wave energy weapons, genetic weapons, psychotronic weapons, etc., as part of the state arms procurement program for 2011 to 2020. And I'll put the link up for that one too. So as the world media reacted to this hint on the open use of psychotronic weapons by the publication of scientific experiments from the 1960s, where electromagnetic waves were used to transmit simple sounds into the human brain. Now remember too, we found that um, these things were shown on Canadian television in the 90s, late 90s, that uh, they were mobile and they were actually you could put them in your pocket, and even the people on the Wendy Mesler show with Dr. Nick Bagage. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. I just mentioned that Dr. Nick Bagage uh, demonstrated some of this old stuff from the 1950s and 60s on the Wendy Mesler show uh, quite a few years back. And uh, it was remote, of course, and you hold this little thing in your hand, you can put it in your pocket. He had a whole table full of this stuff, obsolete, he said, from the 50s and 60s that CIA used. And um, and uh, Wendy put, uh, she would hear a, a music in the middle of her head at a distance when it was pointed at her. And of course these things were actually put, used to put sounds and, and uh, voices in your head. Old stuff, it actually works very well, in fact. And, of course, he also demonstrated when he went over to uh, the European Parliament, because some of them worried about getting psychotronics used on them, some of the politicians, and he demonstrated some of them to the politicians. It can make you throw up. It can make you lose your concentration completely until you switch it off. And, and things like that. These are very advanced weapons, indeed. And, of course, this is a small-scale stuff. But this says here that... Um, it also happened, too, that uh, most of them have always seen that since then, since they were protesting back then, extensive scientific research has been carried out in this area throughout the world. Only a Colombian newspaper, El Spectator, published an article covering the whole scale of the achievements of this research. And I'll put those links up tonight, too. And the English translation as well. And it says, the British Daily Mail, as another exemption, wrote that research in electromagnetic weapons have been secretly carried out in the USA and Russia since the 1950s, and that previous research had shown that low-frequency waves or beams can affect the brain cells, alter psychological states, and make it possible to transmit suggestions and commands directly into someone's thought processes. High doses of microwaves can, can damage the functioning of internal organs, control behavior, and even drive victims drive victims to suicide. And it's linked to do with that too. Uh, it's also an article to do with Putin, who targeted foes, and, and, and it's, it's called Zombie Gun Attack. They actually used it on some of their foes, and um, it causes central nervous system uh, collapse and different, different effects too. In 1975, a neuropsychologist, Dr. R. Justison, the director of Laboratories of Experimental Neuropsychology at Veterans Administration Hospital in Kansas City, 
unwittingly leaked national security information. He published an article in American Psychologist magazine on the influence of microwaves on living creatures' behavior. In the article, he quoted the results of an experiment described to him over a phone conversation by his colleague Joseph C. Sharp, who was working in, on Pandora, which was a secret project of the American Navy. Uh, Don R. Justison wrote in his article, By radiating themselves with these voice-modulated microwaves, Sharp and Grove were readily able to hear, identify, and distinguish amongst among the nine words. The sounds heard were not unlike those emitted by persons with artificial larynxes. That was back in 75. Now it would sound like your own voice, actually, your own thoughts. This is, and another one too, it says uh, that this system was later brought to perfection as proved by the document which appeared in the website of the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency in 1997, where its Office of Research and Development presented Departments of Defense's project called Command, uh, Communicating via the Microwave Auditory Effects. In the description it said, an innovative and revolutionary technology is described that offers a low probability of intercept radio frequency communications in RF. It says the feasibility of the concept has been established using both a low-intensity laboratory system and a high-power RF transmitter. Numerous military applications exist in areas of search and rescue, security and special operations. Now again, that's how they'll always end things, is for us to help people. This is all developed by the big DARPA boys too, warfare projects for warfare. And the biggest problem that all governments have today is totally controlling their own subjects or citizens. Remember that. This is in January 2007, the Washington Post wrote on the same subject. In 2002, the Air Force Research Laboratory patented precisely such a technology using microwaves to send words into someone's head. This is Rich Garcia, a spokesman for the Research Laboratory's Directed Energy Directorate, declined to discuss the patent or current or related research in the field, citing the lab's policy not to comment on its microwave work. In response to a Freedom of Information Act request filed for this article, the Air Force released unclassified documents surrounding that 2002 patent, and it records that, uh, records that note that the patent was based on human experimentation in October 1994 at the Air Force lab, where scientists were able to transmit phrases into the heads of human subjects, albeit with marginal intelligibility. It says, we can only stress again that the world media avoids publishing the full scale of the progress in research of the remote control of human nervous system. Now remember, too, a few years ago, too, it came out in the media that in New York, they were putting in a tower somewhere there, the ability to, to uh, actually uh, direct uh, sounds or voices into a person's head to do with advertising. That's what they said, to do with advertising. Well, I bet it was the military boys that ran that, too. This is a long, long article and I'll, I'll put it up tonight, and um, as well worth going through lots of links on it, and it's all government stuff too that they're quoting here, and links to that as well, and it's from uh, Indie Media from UK, and it's well worth going through for those who are interested. And what's going on, because when you read the articles and the books put out by the big boys back in the 50s and 60s, the boys who are heavily involved in bringing in the world future globalist society, reducing the population while they controlled it at the same time and brought it down. When they meant controlling the populations, it doesn't mean just taking down the numbers, folks. Uh, They mean control. Back with more after this. 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. And, of course... This is not to terrify people. I don't think folk can be terrified today. Most folk have adapted to cell phones so quickly anyway. And uh, they can't do without it, most of them. I've never had one. I never will have one. And because uh, what's the point? I mean, uh, I don't really need one. I don't have to be called, uh, no matter where I am, having a walk or whatever else, or in the toilet. I don't need to, to know what's going on. Uh, people can wait or whatever or, or get in touch in other, other ways. And I can get back to them when I want to. But this on-call idea is another way of training yourself. You're being trained, understand. This is self-policing and self-training uh, on behalf of the governments who own you, basically. But uh, we know that all the big uh, providers and so on are in bed with the NSA. A lot of companies, too, I know are front companies for the NSA. The NSA, uh, like CIA, too, put up real companies and corporations out there that really do exist. And uh, and that's what puts folk off. They think, oh, well, I guess that's a private corporation, nothing to do with it. No, that's one of their, their – it's not just an asset. They own it. It's government money that sets a lot of these guys up. Last night, I made a phone call after the show, and uh, a voice came on, a recorded voice, and it says, um, your call will be put through uh, even though Verizon has not been paid its bill. Now, you see, I'm getting listened to all the time. I get lots of problems on the phone and so on. And often, uh, uh, someone calls me back because it's a bad line or whatever, because it's getting tapped, you see. Um, you'll hear all the different sounds that are made and so on. And, and you try to call back, you can't get access because the line's still busy. The third party is still, is still uh, is, this, the thing that records is still on the go, you see. To wait till their machine packs in. But I, I'm not on Verizon. See, I'm not, I've got nothing to do with Verizon. I never have had anything to do with Verizon. And neither was the person I was calling. So uh, I guess the, the, whatever agency was involved, you should pay their darn bill to Verizon, the one that's snooping on me. Now, here's an article here, though, and it says that the NAC has inserted its code into Android OS, or three-quarters of all smartphones. And uh, it says, over a decade ago, it was discovered the NAC embedded backdoor access into Windows 95 and likely into virtually all other subsequent Internet-connected desktop-based operating systems. However, with the passage of time, more and more people went mobile, and as a result of the NSA, it had to adapt. And adapt they have, as Bloomberg reports, it says the NSA is quietly writing code for Google's Android OS. Is it ironic that the same don't be evil Google, which went to such great lengths in the aftermath of Snowden scandal to wash its hands of snooping on its customers and even filed a request with its secretive FISA court, FISA court, asking permission to disclose more information about the government's data requests is embedding NSA code into its mobile operating system, which according to the IDC runs on three quarters of all smartphones shipped in the first quarter. It says Google spokesman uh, Gina Scigliano confirms that the company has already inserted some of the NSA's programs in the Android OS. And she said all Android code and contributors are publicly available for review at source.android.com, she says, declining to comment further. And from Bloomberg, he says through its open source Android project, Google has agreed to incorporate code first developed by the agency in 2011 into future versions of its mobile operating systems, 
which according to market researcher IDC, runs on three quarters of the smartphone shift globally in the first quarter. NAC officials say their code, known as security enhancements for Android, like how they do things so are well in security enhancements, isolates apps to prevent hackers. But a joke, eh? Is it hack you, NSA? And marketers from gaining access to personal corporate data stored on a device. Eventually, all new phones, tablets, televisions, cars, and other devices that rely on Android will include the NSA code. This is from, from Bloomberg. Agency spokesman Vanny Vine said in an email statement, NSA researcher Stephen Smalley, who works on the program, says our goal is to raise the bar in the security of commodity mobile devices. Again, it's lowering the bar for NSA's access. I said, so see, there's no need to worry. The reason the NSA is generously providing the source code for every Google-based smartphone is for your own security. So go back to sleep, right? Oh, but it's open sourced, so someone else will intercept any and all attempts at malice. We forgot about that. The story goes on to say in 2001 presentation obtained by Bloomberg Businessweek, Smalley listed amongst the benefits of the program that it's normally invisible to users. The program's top goal, according to the presentation, is to improve our understanding of Android security. Well, one wouldn't want their bug to be visible to users now, would one? And it goes on and on. But that's that's what we live in today. And I, I knew this off the bat when they came out with what they called the personal computer, like it's yours. And they gave you all these different uh, applications too and firewalls and, and you can set off for your privacy with your personal computer. I knew that was a con right off the bat. It was all put out and worked out long before they were giving it to you by the NSA. Of course it was. And that's how they con you. But you see, if the government mandated that everyone must must buy one, you, you say, what's going on here? But you see, when the government makes you want it, and it's going to be yours, you know, you're going to buy it, it's mine, my personal computer, you're completely, you're, 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 you're a goner. <laughs> you're really a goner. Anyway, it says, um, it goes on, as I say, to talk about Apple and all the rest of them too, and they're all the same, etc., etc., etc. But it, uh, that's the way it is. It was set up to be that way. And also, too, uh, this forest in Britain with the National Health Service, which, of course, the U.S. is going to bring in, too, because it must go by the guidelines in the Charter of the United Nations that said every nation must ha- provide the most minimal rates of, of, of hospital and medical care. Minimal. You understand what that means? Uh, and that's the agenda for the world. Of course, the big wigs can get special hospitals in Switzerland and all the rest of it and military bases, but not for you. But they're also blaming the fact that, that there's low staffing of trained staff, and that's what's causing all the death rates, high mortality. That's not that at all. The government's been slashing the, 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 their budget for years and years and years, and of course the guys at the top, the big chiefs in charge, want to, their, their salaries to continue, so they slash all the qualified staff down below. I mean, that's obviously what happens is you've got a bunch of of assistants uh, working there that aren't really trained, and folk die. It's just life. It's just the cost of dealing with life. Yeah, that's all it is. To them at the top, that is. Also, this is a good article to do. It's called Barnaby. It's right. It's quite a good website, actually. And it says, New Zealand banks are pre-positioning for the Cyprus-style bail-in. Now, they're all doing it. All the countries have done it because the World Bank came out with this mandate for all the other countries, along with the Bank for International Settlements. They made it a, pretty well a ruling at the last meeting. 
and Canada went into action, all the other countries went into action, it means they can go in and steal all your, all your, all your accounts. And um, it says New Zealand has joined with Europe, the USA, UK, Canada and Australia in preparing to bail in or steal your bank accounts. It says, uh, and this is exerted from timeline for bail-in of G20 banking system. See, all this, this G20 club that's a private club that uh, we never voted for, of course, is formed itself by the CFR. Uh, it was in charge of signing it all. And it says, uh, it goes on to talk about what's happened. It says, New Zealand's version of the FSB-directed bank bail-in regime appears even worse than the rest of the world. Unlike the others, New Zealand does not even have the pretense of a government guarantee or deposits insurance scheme for small depositors. And this is what it says here from this bill. Uh, It says, uh, Bill English, the guy's name is proposing a Cyprus-style solution for managing bank failure here in New Zealand. A solution that will see small depositors lose some of their savings to fund big bank bailouts, said Green Party co-leader Dr. Russell Norman. And it's not to say the Reserve Bank is in the final stages of implementing a system of managing bank failure called Open Bank Resolution. The scheme will put all bank depositors on the hook for bailing out their bank. Depositors will overnight have their savings shaved by the amount needed to, to keep the bank afloat. So there's, a, there's a, an, open, an open amount there, the amount needed. And says, while the details are still to be finalized, nearly all depositors will see their savings reduced by the same proportions. Bill English is wrong to assume that everybody, everyday people are able to judge the soundness of their bank. I mean, how can you? I mean, you never get the truth out of them. Not even sophisticated investors like Merrill Lynch saw the global financial crisis coming. Oh, they did all right. Just kept their mouth shut. It says, if he insists on pushing through this unfair scheme, small depositors can be protected ahead of time with notified savings threshold below, which their savings will be safe from any interference. Dr. Norman questioned the government's insistence on pursuing uh, open bank resolution when virtually no other OECD country uses it. Open bank resolution is unprecedented in the world. Most OECD countries run deposit insurance schemes which protect people's deposits up to a maximum ranging from 100000 to 250000 Dr. Norman said. Since OBR is not in line with Australia, which protects bank deposits up to 250000 unfortunately all the deposit insurance scheme in the West are not worth the paper they're written on, and that's true as well. Believe you me, when it happens, folks, I don't care what they tell you. See, they're trying to keep as much, enough money in the banks, uh, uh, like up to 100000 from a lot, of, a lot of people at the top who've got that kind of cash, uh, to keep the banks going, but they'll, they'll, they'll grab that too. We'll grab that too. The big boys themselves don't put their money in banks. It's like Prince Charles there. They've got them in trust funds and all the rest of it. And they pay no taxes on it because it's not a corporation. <laughs> like I read yesterday. It says, cleverly, the FSB's new G20 bail-in regime reclassifies customers' deposits as equity. So, so again, just a changing of the meaning of something. So your deposit becomes equity in the filling bank or in a new bridging bank such as recapitalization. This makes the customer's stake, you know, you know, have a stake, you see, not deposit, form a deposit in that new bank, uh, liable for forfeiture. And it says, um, more on this in future posts. It's quite a good article too. It goes through the meanings of, of the terms they're now implementing too, which most folk don't go into. If you don't know what they are, you're doomed. Because, you know, the, the cunningness of, of people. I mentioned if you don't understand what language means, you're, you're doomed, folks. 
And that's what lawyers are all about. And they also reinterpret words all the time and get them kind of sleepy-sounding names to keep you all asleep. And it works awfully well, awfully, awfully well. Also in Europe, this big new Soviet bloc, the dream of the, the big boys, Royal Institute of International Affairs, CFR for a long time, Karl Marx too, by the way. And, uh, of course, NAFTA is the same deal eventually, and the Far East Rim Pacific conglomerate as well. Uh, it's all part of it. The three big massive trading blocks. Uh, they have to eventually go this way that Europe's gone, where you're under this massive super parliament with a, a commission at the top that nobody votes for. Uh, in fact, you don't even know what they're doing. The politicians down below are there for show. They get to bombast each other and get little bits on TV as they, as they write out good humor to, to whack each other with and so on. But they can't vote. So what's the point in having them? They can't either uh, uh, recall any kind of bills or whatever else or, or, or cancel any laws. I mean, they're just there for show. Uh, so it's not, it's never meant to be democratic at all. It's run by bureaucrats and so on. Uh, interbred bureaucrats too. It's like the United Nations. You know, the United Nations, most folk who work there permanently, the bureaucracy, are all intermarried and they're two, second, third generation there. They have their own school at the United Nations as well. And they teach them a completely different version of history. They give them a different version of humanities and all the rest of it. They don't get all the, all, all the commie stuff they make us all believe, you see. They, they, they're taught to be really firm about things and they have to be uh, dictatorial in their view. Because one day they have to rule, you understand. And they're not going to play politics with you. They'll just tell you what they're doing. And you better do it. That's how, going, that's how, they, that's how they talk to you. Anyway, this is from Europe. This is Narratives for, for Europe. This is, a, again, Narratives for Europe. Who's going to look this, this silly thing up? It sounds like, oh, he's another boring thing. I'll give that a skip. It's to do with creating a whole new European culture, folks, to do away with the old nations and so on. So Narratives for Europe is the ECF's overarching theme from 2012 through to 10 to through 2012. It's still ongoing, by the way, just mentioned again, you see. So it'll be a connecting thread for our grants and activities. Again, you change it by, by putting out, you pay all the arts and the productions and television as well to put out stuff to give you a European, a new, whatever this new European theme happens to be. A new web space brings together all work, insights and debates that arise in our search for new perspectives capable of crossing and not defining borders. The discoveries will also be showcased during a Narratives for Europe events in the autumn. It was already done in 2012 in Amsterdam. The search narratives and visions for today's Europe. People often don't see the need for Europe in a world often divided into local and the global. This disconnection between Europe and its citizens is being filled with new versions of old nation-based narratives. You know, old nations. You know, the old nations had, had people and cultures and so on. So what are the new perspectives of Europe at the beginning of the 21st century? Which new narratives inspire young generations? You must always go for the young, just like the Soviets did too. I mean, a lot of the Soviets are actually in the European Parliament now at the the top. It says there's a clear, urgent need to share our stories, create new narratives for Europe for today and tomorrow. And it gives you the website to visit and share the stories, etc. Bringing it all together, it says here. In developing this initiative, the web space, we're working with artists, young video makers, writers, scholars, and cultural activists. Cultural activists, right? 
from across Europe and beyond. The Narratives from Europe website is a space where experiences and memories and perspectives and questions are being asked and reflected on, highlighted, etc., keeping you updated on all narrative-related activities. Then it goes on to, to, to different talks and so on and so on. But it's all to do with paying for it all. Massive grants, you see, to create a new utopia. Utopia, it's called for Europe. Utopia. Remember they call the Soviet Union the, work, the workers' utopia. Remember that? Etc. Same stuff. But this is uh, to create the whole new culture of Europe. There's only one part of it, too. There's many other organizations put out by the same EU cultural foundation. Also, you got to admit, some guys really have the chutzpah, you know. The owner of the World Trade Center is trying to sue the airlines. You know, the guy that they got all the money back because he just insured it about two weeks before it got hit with the planes. Remember, he owned it. It wasn't all the money he put in for the insurance. You only had to put a deposit down. It was quite legal, and he got all that back. Anyway, he says he's trying to sue the airlines for billions for the 9-11 attacks, even though he was already paid $5 billion in insurance. So uh, Larry Silverstein, the owner of the World Trade Center, is seeking the $3.5 billion from airline, United Airlines and U.S. Airways and American Airlines. He argues that the 9-11 attacks cost his property group more than $7 billion. And it says that the new One World Trade Center cost uh, alone cost $3.9 billion, it says. Well, why not? I mean, you probably get away with it. You know, he's got a lot of relatives in the law business, I'm sure, too. They'll, they'll help him along, etc., etc. And if you don't try, you'll never know, eh? Isn't that how it goes? If you don't try, you'll never know. Back with more after this. Hi folks, this is Cutting Through the Matrix. You know, the Marxist system was awfully profitable for big corporations from the West too, all through the Soviet era. But uh, under under the con, of course, that uh, the state, and communism, the state would, would have complete control and ownership of all the means of production. Uh, and it always put me in mind of what Lenin said too, uh, that the... The dictatorship of the proletariat, meaning over the proletariat, would last about 70 years, or a generation, he said, basically, which it did. And he said, eventually, he says, then the, the, the Soviet system, communism, would merge with capitalism to an extent and create a new type of system, the third way, you see. And, and it has, because now what you do is you have corporations who are, and government working together. Isn't that much better where, where the corporations and government work together over, and the public are still the slaves and, and, and the public fund all the research and development and infrastructure for big uh, capital business. The EU, again, this beautiful big EU non-democratic system, it says industries did invest 22 billion uh, euros in research and innovation. It's no big deal, this, because we've been doing it for the beginning of the EU and the US and Canada and all the other countries are doing the same thing and have been all, all along anyway, isn't it? So this is what Lenin was talking about. This is a new system. It's much more efficient for the corporations who own uh, the governments, isn't it? So the European Commission, member states and industry will invest more than 22 billion over the next seven years in innovation. Then, and here it goes, like you see, here's always the hook for the public. The investments will primarily go to special sectors via five private, private 
partnerships called joint technology initiatives. And it'll be, create new, uh, better paid and more durable jobs and sustainable economic growth to boost Europe's global competitiveness. You see? It's amazing too that they for granted we're supposed to be competitive. Are we born uh, as a people just to compete with other peoples? Is that really what it's all about in the system? We take that for granted. I mean, if you're really competing, I mean, do you ever really win this race when you're, when you're a runner at the bottom? Because you're always running your whole life. You always lose at the end of it. It says, in certain, certain areas, formal partnerships with the private sector and member state offer the most effective way to meet the goals of the EU Research and Innovation Programme called Horizon 2020, the EU executive said. They can certainly talk about uh, all their innovation and science and so on and all the rest of it. That there, it says there, there needs to bolster both public and private spending if we were to stay in and never mind, uh, never stay and always stay ahead of the game, she said. So they're proposing an 8 billion euro investment from Horizon 2020 to secure around 10 billion euros from the industry and close to 4 billion from member states. Now, by the time they're finished, it'll be quadruple that like it always is, isn't it? And Neely Crowe's commissioner responsible for the digital agenda says of the EU, there's a lot of talk about investing in the future. What's a corporation's future, isn't it? Well, you all compete at the bottom to, to, to who, who, who are you going to outpace? China? What's the joke about this competing stuff? I mean, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, CFR, created the World Trade Organization that, that, that and, and, and actually paid companies with your tax money to move over to China and do other business in China to sell all the junk back to you and get it at really marginal prices, the cost for the company for, for producing. And they still got the big, big profits at the top because they didn't lower the cost of the things when they sell it to you from China. You're going to compete with China? And we're going to create jobs just like China? Really? We can't... What you get in China wouldn't pay your heating bill here. And you know that. Never mind your taxes. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.